Overthinking It Podcast, episode 25. So is the like douchebaggy radio announcer voice that I do at the the beginning of the podcast is that like necessary to I know. think it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Cocaine. It's like, it's like it's like a gear, Matt. It's totally necessary and totally replaceable. <laughs> I uh you know, it's I not feel only like... necessary, it's also sufficient. Um, it is in the, in, the, in the style of formal logic. It really is, is uh, it just it alone gets the podcast going. Um, well, I'm glad really... that we are going now. It's the Overthinking Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Matthew Rather, uh, and I am here with, in alphabetical order, Peter Fenzel. Word to your mother. Hey, Pete, I, I hear that your computer's getting fixed. Yes, it is at the Asus facility in uh, <laughs> Jeffersonville, Indiana. It is, it, if it made it out in the snow, if it made it out in this little FedEx truck out in the snow, Brave Little Poster style, and its journey to find Jesus or whatever the Brave Little Poster was looking for when find he was out Asus. there. Asus. He's finding, the, he's finding Asus uh, so that Asus can save his soul or perhaps his hard drive, one or the other, or both. <laughs> and Mark Lee... Hi, I am halfway through beating Grand Theft Auto 4, and I feel feel pretty damn good about myself. That's excellent. Oh, I yeah. wish I were good at video games. You can be good at video games, Matt. No, I can't. I really can't. I've tried ever since I was a child. And anything I'm not good at instantly, I abandon. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still dating? <laughs> oh, sick burn. Sick, sick burn. Mr. Sick Burn is Ryan Sheely, and that's that's where the noise, the... Annoying clunkety clunk is coming from. By the way, well, it's actually listeners. part of my experimental noise band. This is actually <laughs> the first the demo track of our. Uh, well, of you our know, new Ryan. Band. I, I mean, this is actually Ryan was kind enough once to let me play in his improvisational noise collective for a rehearsal. That's right, the Sephardic two. Bonobos. The I, Sephardic real... Bonobos. Yeah, they're, that's right. They're, they're known for their fecundity. The Bonobos. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, and, and the pacifism also, I believe. And um, Ryan is there with a special guest on the podcast, uh, Miss Rachel. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome on to the Overthinking a Podcast. Thank you. It, have you listened to episodes of this program in the past? Yes, usually, though, while cleaning or while focused on some sort of single-minded pursuit of mine. We make, but, you, uh, yeah. we make you more productive. <laughs> we make your house cleaner. That's just one of the many benefits of exactly. uh, of using the Overthinking a Podcast. Well, uh, great. So let's we, start... we should note, we should note, uh, Rachel's actually, for Overthinking a Purist, uh, a past contributor back during Anna Nicole Smith week, way back <laughs> almost a year ago. Right. Back when we started, she, she did a great analysis of the uh, property dispute between the estates of Anna Nicole Smith and, uh, and her deceased, loving, and masculine, sexy, 80-year-old uh, oil baron husband. <laughs> Yeah, yes, right. I was and, a legal contributor for that week. There was a right, and there was. I mean, what was at issue? Whether whether probate court can take into consideration the the intention of someone when they establish their estate or something like that. I don't remember at this point. Looked it all up. It all, you know. She's a she's a practicing lawyer now. She doesn't even know any of that shit. Um. <laughs> and, and, you know what? Like the actual case was a jurisdiction case, but I think I don't remember. I know I talked about some issue about uh, you know trust and estates and wills, which had to do with intent. I'm sure because that's pretty much what most of it is about. So right. yeah. Cool. Anyway. The legal files were just voluptuous. They were just some voluptuous case files. Uh, <laughs> they, they really the case rounded out uh, nicely as it closed and settled. Right. Um, it's uh, so, yeah. No, it had some. It had some twists and turns. It uh, curves that. Uh, it was. It was a curvy piece of legal legalness. <laughs> also, also boobs. <laughs> Lots of boobs. Well, all right. So, um, Sorry, thank Rachel. you to everyone who has rated our podcast on uh, iTunes. If you search for "Overthinking It" on iTunes, the first podcast result is the "Overthinking It" podcast, and we've got some nice, nice five star 
ratings there, and we're very grateful for those. Now, some. What's, you know, what's the second result when you search for overthinking it on iTunes? You know what? Like, I think it's something. From NP- it's from something from NPR. Ah. Uh. Well, there we go. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to be number one and number two. Fuck NPR, NPR right I'm in I'm calling you ear. out, NPR. I will do a podcast off against anyone from NPR at any time. So if Even anyone else that. wants to contribute a nice review on iTunes, we are super grateful for those. That's one of the best ways that you can help the podcast by uh, getting it out to more people because iTunes uses the reviews and the recent the how recent the reviews are. Uh, to calculate what it features in certain in certain areas. And so we are glad. We're very, very grateful for those. Grateful to everyone who's listening. And if you like Overthinking It, another thing you can do to help us out is to send the show to a friend. Send them a link to the post on overthinkingit.com or just send them the MP3, whatever. It would be, you know, it would be great just, just to uh, share this. We've had some some great new listeners now uh, with the traffic that we've been getting because of the 40 inspirational speeches YouTube video. Uh, it's just been a big traffic spike for us, and a lot of people are subscribing to the podcast now. And welcome to the podcast. So it is your podcast, also. It's not just our podcast. It's you who are overthinking things as well. So if you want to contribute anything to the conversation, you can email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com or call the Overthinking It voicemail at 20 eat log zero one that's two zero three two eight five six four zero one say your name and where you're calling from and we will play your uh call on the podcast and here is one it's from a little while ago we kind of got distracted but you know out of uh out of our gratitude for this listener who took the time to call in we want to play this now and so here it is this is mike and last angeles you can play this if you want I just wanted to say that uh, while it can be difficult sometimes when you uh, change subjects, you're pretty good at not leaving me completely hand- hanging. So I appreciate the format, and I don't think you should change it. And I also wanted to point out that my all-time favorite portrayal of a fictional American president was an Onion article from three or four years back where Tom Hanks served as guest president. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, Mike was responding to a question I put out uh, a couple issues ago or episodes ago, uh, about whether our extreme tendency towards digression, which Mark hates. Don't hate. Hate is such a strong word. Come on, guys. He's a hatred, man. He is, that is, that sounds like one pissed off dude. That was a man ruled by rage. <laughs> I know, Mark, right? Mark, could you please describe the right word to uh, that encapsulates well, your antipathy? Let me fully you know, give you the digressions, my emotions, and let's talk about this for a while. Oh, look at this. Here I come. No, Antipathy. Antipathy. You're trapped. Either you have to ignore my question or you create a digression. You are what you hate. Ah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we've settled on it. We've we've reined ourselves in a little bit, so this, this issue is now moot. We, by and large, stick to what we're talking about. Though, I think last week we got to, like, Malibu Barbie by way of... <laughs> Uh, Yoda or something? Is there any other way? I, I don't think so. <laughs> um, or is there I any really other way in? It, I like all the California geography uh, lessons that I received in the sort of <laughs> social cultural like map of LA <laughs> and the valley. It was, it was well, the fun. valley, yeah. Exactly. I liked it. Well, the thing about the valley, and not to get off on a digression or anything, but the thing about the (laughs) valley is that is the valley where the expression valley girl comes from. And people people don't realize that. And I think they think that it's a kind of metaphorical valley that... Valley girl comes from, but no. When where those dumb people come from, right? Exactly. When you refer to <laughs> the, the valley, valley in the center of, the, of America, you're yeah. re- you're <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. I, such... When I grew up in New Jersey, we were near the Pascack Valley Hospital. And when I was a kid, I used to think the Valley Girls were like from around the area of the Pascack Valley Hospital. Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, it refers to the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles County, and that you know, and that is a service that we provide here on the podcast. You know, speaking of the geography of Los Angeles, Mike, yeah. Los Angeles. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, can you please uh, email or call us and let us know your exact location in relation to San Fernando Valley and Los Angeles? 
<laughs> you can use so you're yeah, gonna bring you, a present? You're gonna bring him a candy gram? Like what the <laughs> If you use Google Maps, I think you can get your precise longitude and latitude. We've been like to relate it to uh, the last podcast about the sociogeography of the karate kid, so that every podcast will refer back to at least two podcasts before that. <laughs> like the, like the Oscars, where you don't win the Oscar for the movie you just performed in. You win it for the movie you performed in two or three movies ago. Right, exactly. exactly. In this a, response you know, is for the question to the president, but really we're actually going to answer the question about the karate yeah, also kid. Known, also known as Martin Scorsese and Goodfellas. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a... That's, uh, you know, Ryan sent me a Mr. Show episode that was just like that, where it's, uh, they pre-tape a call-in show a week before it airs, <laughs> so the people who are calling are actually watching last week's episode, and they're calling in while it's being taped. I don't know, it's, I, I'm having trouble describing it. There are many levels of metal. No, thank you, thank you. I mean, that's pretty dead on. Yeah. Um... Oh, and so Mike from Mike from Los Angeles. Also, Mike, uh, thanks. If you're still a listener, I hope you are. Uh, would you please uh, find your exact longitude and latitude? <laughs> email it to podcastedoverthinkingit.com, and I will I will read it out to several decimal places. <laughs> on... We can find him and t- Why use our. Why do you do that? <laughs> so that the US military really don't want anyone to call in, and so we're really deterring the act of calling in to the twenty e log oh one. There's a great moment. There's a great moment in the movie Bats where one of the scientists explains why they made like genetically superior hunter killer bats. Um, like he talks about, like, well, we, we want to make them stronger, we want to make them faster. The ultimate predator, they can't be tracked, you know, they can't be outwitted. And someone goes, Why would you do that? <laughs> he says, We're scientists, it's what we do. <laughs> there you go. Well, you just answered your own question. <laughs> We're overthinkers. It's what we do. It's what we do. So pulling it back, three or five or six, seven years ago, The Onion did my favorite piece on presidents, which was a little graphic that said Clinton calls for help from Golden Age Clinton. This is probably longer than six years ago, but it was like they had Clinton in a suit next to like Clinton in like a bright blue suit with a mask and a shield with a star on it. It was fun. <laughs> so hipsterism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Clinton. Well, right. We were doing we were doing week. fictional presidents then. I guess. Oh, fictional presidents. Yeah. There's well, no, no that's that's extra. what that's when Mike called in. It was it was like a month and a half ago. Sorry, it took so long to play your call. I couldn't get into that account for a little while. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh man! Word. Yeah. No, I forgot. I forgot the password. Ah. But let's um, let's go right into it. So we had uh, we had a great conversation this week about hipsterism and whether or not it is dead. So uh, you know, I well, I think that one thing we could do is just do definitions of hipsterism. But I think that's getting ahead of ourselves. Pete, can you just say in a little capsule what your main for people who are, don't necessarily read the blog as religiously as they listen to the podcast? Uh, what the main thrust of your argument was in that post. Sure. So I called something hipsterism, and what I was referring to is when people think back to the things that they liked when they were kids um, or things that they liked that they thought were kind of fringy or not acceptable and would, would profess to liking them ironically. Uh, and the, the process of sort of recalling them and remembering them and sharing mutual remembrance of them and, and sort of um, ironically enjoying them uh, created a, a sort of cultural moment. Um, but the post was about how each time that you recall it, um, you, the way the memory works, you're reconfirming and resaving the memory. You know, you're recreating the memory. So that means that, you know, the second time you remember it, yeah, you're sort of remembering the original source, but you're actually also remembering the first time you remembered it, and so on and so forth, to the point where at one point your Thundercat shirt provided you with a sense of ironic enjoyment, and eventually over time you forget what the source of that enjoyment was, and all you're left is kind of the sense of enjoyment, which is, while satisfying, not as culturally meaningful or vital. Uh, though I use the word vital a lot. So the idea is that hipsters are obsessed with context. The idea of hipsterism, as I understand it, uh, is surrounded by this whole body of, of literature and, and, and symbolism and different things that people are referencing. Um, it's all based on context. People don't remember context over time. So over time, 
the cultural uh, resonance of hipsterism has faded. Its vitality has been replaced by more of a self-congratulatory sense of comfort. And as a vital cultural movement, it has died. But I wonder, I mean, so, because uh, this is the thing, is that there's, I, I see in your argument both a kind of normative argument of that hipster, his hipsterism should die uh, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, should fade out because it is, uh, you know, uh, due to certain problems with this this type of cultural enjoyment, and then also <laughs> a a, a, uh, a positive argument that it has or is dying out because this is you know unsustainable. That's burning up the fuel that it that it uh, that it uh, runs on. I, I think if it's positive, I'm not sure of that because you know even if you you know you you re- pull in all the context of the thundercat shirt fades away i mean the most cutting edge of cutting edge hipsters are like are like vultures or locusts they just once they suck the thundercats dry they move on to ducktails and once ducktails is gone it's he-man and it, and it's really hard to know where you and go and i did and, not and, speak up for i was not i'll throw another movie quote in there they're like locusts. They move from planet to planet, drain the resources, and they move on. <laughs> Nuke them. Nuke the bastards. Anyone name the movie? Name the movie? Independence Day. Independence Day, right? Thank you. Nuke uh, the bastards. Yeah, well, isn't, that, isn't the argument more precisely that hipsterism is always dying? It's always in the process of dying because <laughs> sort, of, sort of doing something in a hipster-ish way uh, is always sort of drawing a thought bubble around the thought bubble? Yeah, sure. I think that's probably a great way of putting it. I mean, you can come up with new things, you know, to try to remember and, and enjoy in this context, but you do consume your material because the subjective experience of remembering it destroys further subjective experience of remembering it as a sort of entertainment. Now, is there a, um, is there a special case of hipsterism uh, where... I wear a Thundercats t-shirt, but I never really watched the Thundercats at uh, as a child, but I just see yeah. it at I just see it at Hot Topic and I pick it up. Or is that more douchebaggery than it is hipsterism? First of all, hipsters do not shop at Hot Topic. Well, you raise an excellent point. Yeah, this is evidence that it's dead. The word I used to, when I, I split up the definitions of hipster a little bit on the comments thread for my post because I understood that I'd defined it inadequately and had sort of defined my argument into existence. Um, but um, I would refer to those people as, as posers. Um, I think that people nowadays sometimes call those kinds of people hipsters, and I'm referring mostly to younger people, but I think that those people are not hipsters at all, but are in fact, uh, yeah, posers, douches, they're fronting, whatever you want to call it. To be uh, clear, I'm not to, fronting, I, I, they keeping it real. Um, not to, I don't know, I'm not a hipster myself, um, or at least who's never very good at it. Um, so, I mean, you know, everybody... I don't know, you have some, you have some, like, video game t-shirts. You have some great hipster? Yeah. Because of my contempt for my fellow man, that's like a prerequisite. (laughs) (laughs) You have, no, you have some video game, you have some, like, 8-bit Nintendo video game t-shirts, don't you? Yeah, well, sure, but I wear them with total sincerity. (laughs) Like, I I actually don't have any 8-bit Nintendo game t-shirts. I do have an Aqua Teen Hunger Force t-shirt, but that doesn't really count. Um, you're thinking of Blinky, who has a Legend of Zelda T-shirt. Oh, I guess um, so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't enjoy Enterprise any of those right T-shirt. Like yeah, that. Blinky. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, right? Which I believe you wore when we when we attended a Wasabi Fav concert together. Um, That's correct. If I'm, that is correct. If I'm not mistaken. I, I wore it totally unironically because I was uh, just starting on improv comedy at the time, and I had an instructor who taught us the first thing you need to do is fuck your fear. And that's what that T-shirt said. It said, "Fuck you, that little skull for you." Were you scared of seeing Lasavi Fav? Uh, what? Were you scared of seeing Lasavi Fav? Um, maybe. And I think I was actually a little bit. I mean, it's probably not why I wore the shirt. I probably thought that they were a harder band than they turned out to be. I'm like, I'm going to a rock show. I'm going to wear my shirt with a skull on it. Uh, I was quite a neophyte when you took me to that show. Although it was a lot of fun. That was a great show. It was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let me come back to uh, something that was mentioned earlier. Why would you do that? <laughs> Ow. Why would you, you come de- back? Are you, you de-digressing us or something? Yeah, why what would you try to stay on top? Oh, in fact, I'm going to take us on a slightly different digression. I mean, yes! I- <laughs> we mentioned that if you wear uh, a Thundercats... 
th- <laughs> you wear a Thundercats t-shirt without having carrying in that childhood uh, appreciation for it, and just because you saw it on whatever that website was, uh, then you're a douchebag. And where that, like, you know, those folks are posers or douches. But, um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had a discussion on the definition of douchebag on the blog earlier. Yeah, that was a post. Shana did that post. Yeah, and my understanding with douchebag, though, is douchebag doesn't wear a Thundercats t-shirt on the weekend. A douchebag wears a vertically striped button-down dress shirt (laughs) on the weekends. Let us not be remiss. Let us not incorrectly define the traditional garb of this proud and noble people. (laughs) (laughs) Being a douchebag is quite far removed uh, from stylistically from hipsterism, I would say. That's not. That's not. That's not. Uh, you know. Is it bring... being a douchebag? No, there's a lot of douchey hipsters. I'll tell you what. We were just in Williamsburg today. Douche everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so they wear. So wait. So they wear vertically striped striped dress dress shirts and work on Wall Street. Wait. So wait. But what was the definition you came to of douchebag? I'm sorry. I wasn't around for this uh, discussion. Well, so actually, Shana Shana wrote a post where she actually explained what a douchebag was and had. You know, pictures of of douche. I mean, I think on account of people shower more these days, uh, douche is not really something that you see a lot. Well, it's also not healthy. Like, they've discovered that it's, in fact, kind of counterproductive for women to use it. exactly. The vagina is like a self-cleaning oven. Yes. Exactly. It burns itself. It melts off the lining. Right, absolutely. And do not have sex with your girlfriend when she has set her vagina to clean. Yes, oh, exactly. 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 She has a little light bulb. But no, I mean her actual. I, I think the point of that that post, if I recall it, was that um, it doesn't make sense to insult someone by calling them a douchebag uh, on account of a douchebag is not that bad a thing to be because it you know fixes a problem or it fixes a supposed problem anyway. My response to that is that you know. It's not that it's really logically thought out. It's more that it's misogynistic, and because it's associated with you know vaginas and women, uh, a douchebag is bad. No, exactly. I mean, I was about to say, I think that is. I mean, I'm sure you have all heard of co-bag, and that's supposed to be the sort of more neutral uh, term. That's uh, short for colostomy. Yeah, right? exactly. Right, right. Co-bag? Co- yeah, yeah, co-bag, yeah. Oh, well, no, that, you see, that, that makes more sense because, you know, uh, stuff comes out into a colostomy bag. Exactly. A colostomy bag is, in fact, full of shit. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's uh, I think it's more neutral than, right, I mean, there's something, there's, yeah, I think there's something very obviously, like, misogynist about saying that something that washes out a twat is bad and nasty. <laughs> let it disrupt just let it be. And it gives you a urinary tract infection. That's no good. Yeah, let, no, it, it's let not. it be noted that the the first incidence of the word twat on the podcast was you know it was used by a woman. I'm just saying. Also, the first, and then you were the second incident of it. So, <laughs> Doris, we just and then we said twat sixteen times repeatedly. Twat, twat, twat. I remember my mother actually used to use that word sometimes, and when she was a kid, that was not a very nasty thing to call somebody. Um, like, yeah, twat, just like a little, little twat. But now I feel like it's actually kind of nasty. You know, it's like a nasty word. It's like a, a nasty insult, much more than. <laughs> It has like a nasty, sharp sound because of the exact twat. Yeah, that a. I don't know. Right, it almost sounds like an onomatopoeia or something. Like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds bad. It's not Wait, a pleasant, pretty Mark, name. Mark made a Mark made a point. Is Rachel the first woman ever on the podcast? I said that, and then I remembered that you um, you interviewed Ray Yarbrough. Your- oh, right, right, right. But in these roundtable uh, in these roundtable yeah. podcasts. I mean, since we settled, like back then when we were interviewing, like when I interviewed Rhea, I, you know, I was, we were experimenting with the format. Yeah, because Shayna, who's our, you know, most prolific female contributor has never appeared on an Overthinking It podcast. And she said that that's because she's worried that, you know, 
that it's well that she said something that's true, which is that it's like it's hard to be interesting, you know. Maybe not just her. hard to be interesting. Oh, not just hard to be interesting. Yeah, but it's really not hard to be uninteresting. I mean, I'm doing just fine at it. Um. <laughs> no, she's afraid for no reason. She needs to get a Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt. <laughs> exactly. We'd love to have her on here. She is invited to come on whenever she wants. Particularly because she writes for the site on a regular basis and gets the emails inviting her to come to the podcast whenever she wants. And also, yeah, no, also because she is she is interesting. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, um, but Rachel now is more interesting. Well, right at the here. moment because she is actually present. Yes, I'm actually present, and I've amused everyone with the word "twat." So yeah, I win. <laughs> For now. Uh, well, Rachel, you had, Rachel, you had some thoughts about the Thundercats t-shirt. Well, I did. I did. I feel like you sort of addressed them, though. I, I don't... I mean, but that's such a small issue. I think it just... I don't take, think, it, take it. Run with it. I, I just don't think the Thundercats t-shirt is a, is a hipster thing. And maybe you're going to say that this is like an anthropological like debate or something, but <laughs> I, I just don't... I, I just don't think the Thundercats is, is a good example of of the hipster of hipsterisms at least at least uh like culturally i don't know well, why, not, well, why, why not why not you give your, yeah what's your what's your take on it and what is a good example yeah i think a good example is the uh what are those scarves called the kefia yeah the kefia yes that is a good example perhaps but right i mean are you guys familiar with the kefia no, what's that? talking thing? about the, the Yasser Arafat style scarf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also known as a terrorist scarf, I believe. Uh, that is, uh, it's a the sort of Czech scarf that was originally worn to show uh, solidarity with the Palestinians, and it's become like the hipster fashion accessory of the moment. Along with Wayfarers, yes. Yeah, along with Ray Ban style uh, sunglasses. Um, those are like the two really must-have hipster accessories of the moment. Now, now Ryan, I'm going to debate they, that. They will pass because their context will be forgotten. That's exactly. kind of a, right? That's like a Unabomber look. <laughs> well, but, but, mixing the metaphor. The Unabomber is the ultimate. <laughs> 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 he was a real terrorist. He was a terrorist. All you guys are posers. You guys wearing wayfarers. Yeah. Right, but is there irony in the wearing of the kefia? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because, right, irony is that trope. Irony is that rhetorical trope that sets up whatever the, you know, technical definitions you want to get into, and you can get into many, whatever those. Irony is the tr- the rhetorical trope that sets up two worlds, an expected or uh, supposed or purported reality and actual reality, you know? And if you're not uh, wearing it to if you're not wearing the scarf to support the, uh, the Palestinians, I think it's ipso facto ironic. You know, even if you don't, even if it's not, you're like, oh, I'm wearing my terrorist scarf now. <sighs> I think it's ironic if you're wearing it, even if you are wearing it to support the Palestinians, because what the hell is some random-ass hipster going to do that's going to support the Palestinians? Well, wear a scarf. Yeah. <laughs> Well, clearly, <laughs> like the problem is a little bit more complicated. All proceeds go to uh, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, they're not in charge over there anymore. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were. They're, they're kind of. They also were kind of out of fashion, much like Thundercat T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why uh, it's now hipsterish. Okay, well, maybe this is maybe let me because of Hamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're remembering, you know, we're remembering the good old days of the PLL. Oh, no, yeah, I liked Hamas before that. I liked Hamas's demo tape. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I did not like Hamas's demo tape. I've never liked Hamas. I'll go on record as saying that they are not cool and not invited to my birthday party. I don't know those three songs uh, that demo tape were. I mean, it was like incandescent indie pop gold. It was, it was gorgeous. It was really fun. And the fact that they recorded it on a Casio cassette recorder. You know? Amazing. I know. <laughs> and how they could sing through those masks while, and play their <laughs> instruments while holding their automatic weapons was a thing of beauty. All right, we've well, you gone... know they just got that chord progression from Syria. I mean, they didn't make it up themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they added 
so much more reverb. I mean, it's like really the <laughs> reverb and the delay is really the the hallmark of the early the early Hamas uh, terrorist activities. <laughs> uh, but no bomb. No bomb. We went off. I mean, I don't think we went off track at all. I think we are exactly um, on on track. I think we are exemplifying. <laughs> we are the change we want to see in the world. Exactly. <laughs> is it? Is our definition of hipsterism sufficient though at at the moment right because like it's not just the ironic display of cultural ephemera from one's childhood or someone's childhood it's it's more than that it's a whole it's a whole neighborhood of brooklyn (laughs) (laughs) right well, um, I mean, what else do you think? I mean, I mean, I, I agree. But I think that there is—it's an offshoot of yuppieism, you know, in some sense. Yeah, I think it's definitely a subset of um, of white of white culture. Um, it's for sure. I guess it's, it's. I think in the Venn diagram of of uh, urban anthropology. Uh, sorry, I like saying things in terms of anthropology, but it's you know in the Venn diagram, there's overlap with the yuppie. And with, I just, I suppose, like the larger universe of youth culture, uh, I, I, I think it definitely has like a white upper middle class component to it, if not rich. Sort of professional, it, it, they're a professional class, aren't they? They're all, you know, graphic designers or something. Well, no, but there's also, I mean, I think there's a combination of, you know, and I don't know what came first. I mean, um, a, you know, a detailed anthropology would would look for, you know, is it the trust fund kids, the the sort of creative professionals, the artists, or the or the bankers? Because sort of all of them now, you know, if you you pick you know, douchebags or hipsters, well, at this point, hipsters, because I think that hipsters are like someone that if you walked around, you know, we were on Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg today, and I think that you would have you know, in a random draw of people would have found all four of those types of people um, in the in that milieu and uh, at this point in time. But that wasn't always the case. You know, if you go back two years, five years, ten years, that, that distribution uh, of people who you would have visually identified uh, as, as a hipster um, in that in that neighborhood would have been, a, I would guess, a different distribution. Let's say, what are, what are some of the visual marks of the hipster? I mean, I think of skinny jeans. I think mm-hmm. of... Uh, certain configurations of facial hair. I think of uh, glasses for some reason. You just described me, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I think of a guy from Lancaster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Kenya a bunch of times. You know. Right, yeah, no. He posted a picture to his Facebook account of him drinking cow blood with the Maasai in Kenya and it was like I really that's the difference. I sincerely love that cow blood. It was delicious. Um, <laughs> that was not ironic cow blood drinking. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's about as unironic as you get. I mean for the ladies what are the ladies the, the it's uh tight leggings right now. Leggings and Peter Pan boots, right? I think uh yeah, certainly. Um I yeah, I think, you know, it's yeah, leggings, Peter Pan boots, um, like American Apparel, but certainly not dressed head to toe in it. Um, you know, like one or two well curated thrift store pieces, uh, like a grainy kind of a a slapdash of like both, of like really every decade as a reference point: the seventies, the sixties. The 20s. The, the 50s, the 20s. I mean, really, every, de- the 30s, I, every decade in the fashion 80s. as a reference point. The um, 1790s. The 1840s. <laughs> I'm really surprised it really has not... Uh, 330-80. <laughs> hey, I don't know. You know, there is some, like, cobra snake party or something where, you know, where they're dressing in, you know, Renfair garb. They're making that cool again. <laughs> <laughs> Renfair people are OG. You don't want to fuck around with the Renfair people. They know what they're doing. They're they're totally not ironic. Well, they know what they're doing if what they're doing is brewing mead or <laughs> you know fighting with wooden swords or something. Yeah, or making candles. 
Out of towel. <laughs> yeah, no, out of towel. Or is that out like, of, am I confusing Out of like actual rendered for... fat and not out of wax. Right, know? but once yeah. the Olsen twins and, and Corey Kennedy start dressing in Renfair garb, they are out of their league. Like, they are just not, you know, <laughs> no, you know, there are no number of uh, Renaissance, Renaissance fairs that he can get you, uh, you know, uh, ready for that kind of, uh, I don't know, coke-fueled sonnet, uh, Slam. I don't think Shakespearean sonnets work well together. There's nothing to push up when you have a corset when you're a cokehead. Hence irony, that's where we're going. Let me jump in for a second, and instead of trying to define hipsterism, let me just paraphrase Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart. Stewart, in which he said, uh, I shall not today attempt to further define the kinds of material I understand to be embraced, <laughs> but I know it when I see it. Because it gives me I a mean- boner. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, all kinds of things give me a boner that are not obscene. How many things give you a boner that aren't hipsters? <laughs> <laughs> So it's now, like we're, now those... we're saying that, like, Harold Bloom is a hipster? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't get it. I'm confused. You know, kind of like, like twat, boner used to be a word that you could use. It meant mistake. Right, like Merkel's boner. Merkel's boner? Merkin's boner? Merkel's boner? It was in the World Series. He hit a, I think it was the World Series. He hit a home run. Oh, right, right. Championship. Right. And he missed third base or something like that. Yeah, I right? don't know he got about tagged sports. out. And then he got a huge erection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Which I'm was, so blue tonight. So which was, boner being bonehead then? Is that what the... The etymology? Yeah, is that why? Yeah, something like was, that. Okay. Yeah, being a I, I'm just curious. And nothing stupider than a firm, turgid penis. So I think it's, I think it's a logical, uh, logical progression of the, of the term. <laughs> <laughs> We kill us. We absolutely <laughs> kill us. Now, but there's, you know, it's not just an aesthetic. It's a, there's a, a point of view on the world that is kind of the hipster point of view, right? That is sort of uh, almost world-weary or very cynical about a lot of things, isn't there? I, I, I don't know. Again, I mean, not to sound like I, you know, everything has to be re- so uh, fragmented and relative but again i think there are these hipsterisms i think on this i mean oh, I, have to I love in... this there are many hipsterisms <laughs> i think it's fatigued i think this is all like you know we're all kicking up the, the muck and we're looking for something anyway I continue. <laughs> to talk about <laughs> keep talking about like your like 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 you buried it in your yeah, yeah. You, bur- you buried it so why are we even why talking about it, about it? <laughs> No, talk about it. Talk about it. It's done, man. That's taking through the heart. Oh, my God. Let's get back to the karate kid. That has not been mine. You know, I tried to. I asked Dave Schechner to illustrate a new logo for this podcast, and my idea for him was a thought bubble inside a thought bubble inside a thought bubble inside a thought bubble. And, I, you know, I'm curious to see what he comes up with that, you know, expresses that idea, but I think that's where we are right now. I think that is where we are. No, Did you get back I, to what we were talking about? Yes. Mike, All right. where is your house? Tell us where your house is in California. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Sorry, we, we will haven't... deliver a set of American apparel leggings and possibly a boner. Um... <laughs> well, no, terrible idea. We love fun. We always think bad happening. So, yeah, I think... I think there is all right. So I think there is. I think there are there are uh, hipsters who are who are genuinely progressive, um, who who really who I would say do have a sort of sincere or like active or not even sincere. They have an active affiliation with progressive causes and uh, social justice or just that whole hodgepodge of of liberal uh, interests. And then. Um, and then I think there are people who are just much more willing to like uh, to co-op both anything and everything, and they really are more on the end of of culture vultures. And you know, there are the people who wear the keffiest scarf and never to really. I couldn't find Palestine on a map. I couldn't find Palestine on a map. Um, really have no real message of solidarity to share, 
but more than anything, well, a lot of people would there have is trouble. something cool about, you know, other people and, you know, poorness and, you know, it's, I think there is this, this like a weird, uh, Co like co-opting and this this uh this infatuation with uh other you know other otherness 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 in general um I think that is sort of another kind of hipsterism I think I think that is like the spectrum of hipsterism really I think it's you know how you know how actively do you identify with progressive causes it's like at least one way I think that we could sort of analyze them. Hey, let, let me give you an analogy, and you tell me whether this is at all accurate or not, all right? Okay. Hipsterism is to populism as Barack Obama <laughs> is to William Jennings Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> I'm going to need you to explicate it. I'm, I'm sorry. I, okay. you've so I will me. not be crucified on an analogy of gold. <laughs> <laughs> the populist and the free silver movement and the idea of the banks on the railroads and all that stuff back in the 1890s was heavily oriented with this third party, this separatist group called populists. Well, they weren't separatists, but they were separate. And they threw in their lot really heavily with William Jennings Bryan, who ran for president and lost, um, uh, most notably against William McKinley. Um, and after that, were never really again an independent vital force in American politics. And I suggest that perhaps the hipsters, and not the hipsters specifically even, as larger, fringier groups that had an independent identity prior to Obama's campaign, threw in their lot with Obama, and now as Obama, he won, but as he sort of steers his course to moderateness, um, are going to find that they have also um, have, um, given up a certain amount of their, um, their contingent independentness. Uh, their, their coherent, coherence as an independent group outside of this large organization that they pitched their, their trough in with. Well, that's the problem with us not having a parliamentary system. I don't know why people keep thinking it's going to be better if we had a parliamentary system. You know what happened in Canada this year? <laughs> I mean, that's are a good crazy. point. <laughs> the parliamentary system, the freaking the, the, the conservatives were like going to have a vote of no confidence against the prime minister, and they were going to not have a government anymore, and they, they had to suspend the government because they weren't able to have a vote that wasn't going to, like, sacrifice the entire Canadian parliament. So, like, and, and I think the governor general who reports to the queen... Right, had to like make the final decision as to like whether or not Canada's government could even continue to function. Wow. Um, I don't think. I mean, parliamentary systems have their own problems. I mean, yeah, you don't get to have your own little flag or whatever on the desk if you're like not in the two parties. But you know, it's not an easy solution either. Would you really want to have a hipster party in America that was distinct from the Democrats? That's an interesting thought. You mean by by the hipster party? You mean the political party whose platform is like cocaine and uh, leggings and remixes of like dance remixes of Wilco songs? Like that's like that's the hipster party I know of. <laughs> I mean, it makes more sense than the Free Quebec movement. I mean, for Christ's sake, <laughs> what are they going to do? They've got the other country on both sides. What are they going to do? I don't get it. Um, I don't get it. I didn't know hipsters did cocaine. They don't that's like, that is the, the why, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, there, I think there's like a weird, I mean, again, I think you were in some ways right to avoid the definitional morass that we have now thrown ourselves uh, <laughs> full-fledged full into. I mean, I guess that's what the well, we had a fun time. for. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas uh, it's harder to parse, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the written word. Um, but I think that... I was um, only having fun ironically. <laughs> it's like, almost like a hipster does cocaine, ironically. Um, I, mean, well, I, <laughs> I don't think it's impossible yeah, but, to do cocaine, ironically. When you snort it ironically, and you get then and then the uh, and then the you get high very the, sincerely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, there are a bunch of sort of. Uh, I mean, the, the, one of the defining aspects of hipsterdom, and it's in this very very good adbuster piece. Uh, on on hipsters as the end of Western civilization is that people, you know, will will gladly point out that person's a hipster, that person's a hipster, but oh me, no, I am not a hipster, uh, and right. and and it's always it's it's defined even by people who ascribe to aspects of the subculture, you know, uh, partake in certain components of this. Uh, they they sort of 
then tends to define the key attributes as those which they do not partake in. So I do not do cocaine. So hipsters, those motherfuckers do cocaine. And I'm not a hipster. I don't do cocaine. Although I do skinny jeans, and I fucking mainline those sh- that shit. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we've, we've, maybe we've, we've talked the hipsters to death. Yeah, maybe. You talked about, we talked a lot about irony and sincerity, and there's been this word that's been kicking around that I don't quite grasp, and maybe one of you guys can, can explain it to me, but it's sort of an OTI topic of conversation, maybe even an OTI original. This idea of irony, which is, I think, when you stick a, a soldering iron into someone's ear in order to extract information from them. Yeah, right? no, it's, no it's, when, <laughs> it's when Oedipus stabbed himself in the ear. Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck. Ow. <laughs> uh, no, it, I think we've been talking about this idea of, uh, of irony and uh, what, earnestness. Is that what the earnestness. ear is? Earnestness yeah, and yeah. irony come together. Like in the importance of being earnest, where in which earnestness and irony come together in a variety of mistaken identity and hilarious both situations. <laughs> Oh, a hat bag. Well, Is I mean, kind of the proto hipster. Yeah, I was going to say Oscar Wilde. Like, funny you mentioned that. I do think he is the proto hipster. He's like the ultimate. See, I think he once said to me along the lines that he likes Catholicism because of all like the the pretty saints and the cool the cool pageantry of it all. And I think I think there is like an element of like. You know, like the, uh, there's an element of, of hipsterism that is really just being an estate and being sort of like a like a dandy, really. <laughs> like, a fop. It, talking about, I mean, I used to call them fops back in the day. Yeah. I used to refer to hipsters as as fops, mostly now because it just of their like high powdered wigs. What? <laughs> now it just sounds like a gaysler. A fop? Really? It sounds more like a, an Italian slur. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're either racist. Oh, you just slurred, motherfucker. Yeah, you're either racist or homophobic. We just can't figure out which. Right, right, right. But it is interesting that Ryan immediately identified Oscar Wilde as a hipster because he himself is not ridiculously and ludicrously flamboyantly historically gay. And it's like, I identify him as that. Ryan and Rachel, I don't know if you're having sex over there or something, and that's where all the noise is coming from, but, you know, go on. No, our sex is purely silent, so I don't know what it could be. (laughs) And you have have a look of just disdain for one another on your faces the whole time. (laughs) Well, no, it wasn't the ironic thing. Wasn't that E-A-R-O-N-I-C? Wasn't someone looking for uh, a way to describe... Something that's said kind of sarcastically, but with a serious point. Well, it was used to describe the uh, in the first in the context of the uh, forty inspirational speeches in two minutes montage, um, in that the you know the viewers you know had this reaction where she enjoyed you know was genuinely inspired. She or he, I don't remember. The viewer was genuinely inspired and you know got the sense that Belinky, who edited the clip, really loved many of these movies, but also. You know, like in some of the flourishes, felt there is a sense of irony, and you know, especially in the in the sort of the climax of Free Willy jumping out of the water and Sloth pulling off his shirt, and and Superman is it's it's like over the top in such a way that it um it has you know um it has that that sort of ironic quality, but it still has this this core of earnestness, and that was I think the dialogue that was happening in the you know in the reaction to that uh into that it's that clip well, there's, um, I don't here, know. i'm going to the I'm going to the coinage of it, and I'm discovering now that it was coined by Belinky. okay okay and which actually kind of stands to reason. So he says, let me suggest the word irony to mean something which is enjoyed. Partly earnestly, partly ironically. Let me try and use it. The South Park movie is an ironic take on musicals. That is, the movie both mocks musicals and celebrates them. Let me try this to put it in this way. A hipster might wear, let's say, an Ace Freely t-shirt ironically. But um, someone like myself um, has gone to and would go to a Kiss concert. uh, Not unironically, but ironically. You mm. you think you th- you think Kiss kicks ass, but also that they're kind of dumb, but that they kick ass. Yes, that is an accurate statement. Kiss right. does kick or ass. I own I own a, a picture book. Actually, Rachel once gave me a picture book called Just Puppies, um, and it is is just a a series of pictures in a very sappy, syrupy narrative about puppies. And she got it because it's 
retarded, but uh, but I really love the puppies because they're adorable. Wow, let's, <laughs> let's list the people we've offended. Uh, homosexuals, <laughs> the nation of I'm Italy. I'm impaired. People, people with vaginas, with, yeah, no, People with cognitive deficits. <laughs> women. Like- Mike. Italians. Mike from, Mike from L.A. Yeah, who has been great to call us. And we should, should call back and tell us yeah. where he lives. No, yeah, no, no one's going to call us now because they see what happens when you no, call. No, I mean, maybe they're going to call. Maybe we're, maybe we're just this is grist for the, the mill. Uh, we're being provocative. We're like a bunch of teenage girls at a sleepover party. Like, oh, my God, are they going to call us? Are they not going to call us? Oh, my God, maybe they're thinking about calling us right now. Maybe, maybe we should call them. Maybe, maybe we Maybe we should call him. <laughs> we should call. We should call them first. We call yeah, we should call up. Mike preemptively. We should call our listeners and be like, oh, oh. "Hi, Mike. What's up?" Like, hey, That's funny. That's funny. Actually, that would be a fun thing to do. Hey, if you would like uh, overthink the overthinking <laughs> podcast to call you, that one uh, sounded like the Kanye album every like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you should totally leave us a number, right? Like, call us and leave us a, me- a number or send us an email saying that you'd like us to call you. When Paris Hilton's we'll sidekick... Air, they, they pulls out of ourselves. Yeah, no, we'll, to- we'll totally talk to you about things. When Paris Hilton's sidekick got hacked, uh, the numbers of a number of celebrities, the, the private phone numbers of several famous people, uh, were published on the internet. And so there was this whole genre of crank call that was recorded and distributed as uh, audio files. Um, that was, you know, calling celebrities and seeing how long you could sustain the conversation before they go, wait, who the hell is this anyway, and how the hell did you get my number? There was a lot of, like, how did you get this number? Oh, Paris gave it to me. (laughs) Anyway, I just, I apparently read a lot more Perez Hilton than you do, which I do ironically. Was was there any... We depend on you for that, Matt, because we need to know the minute Zac Efron is out of the closet. And we know he'll be all over that. That's like my one Paris Hilton joke, is that he's obsessed with Zac Efron coming out of the closet. Dude, that's not even a joke. That's like, I know, that's it's, like deadly that's serious reality. if you're if you're Perez Hilton. It's not is even ironic. Is he really ironic. a deadly serious sort of guy? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. No, no, no. Actually, I would, I would love to actually write a, uh, an overthinking it post about Perez Hilton, who I read ironically, but who there's an odd note of moralism and sincerity in what he writes, where he really, I mean, he really gets down on, uh, in a way that's not, that kind of doesn't have a tongue-in-cheek quality at all, on, you know, I don't know, Lynn Spears or something, bad parenting, the way, uh, you, you know, the the moral decay of society, and, and he really seems very serious about it. So is, 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 is Perez Hilton the post-hipster? Is he the uh, the guiding light of the post-hipster movement? I get. I mean, you could call him post-hipster. The new, the new moralism. I've predicted the new moralism for a while because there's a whole generation growing up getting pornography spam in their emails from the time that they're eleven or twelve. You know, so like the, this this is gonna swing back, and you know, uh, fifteen years down the line, we're all gonna be living like. Stepford wives again, you know. You, you don't think first. it's happening now a little bit, Matt, with the sort of uh, the purity rings and the abstinence movement, at least the sort of uh, the the FaceTime, or or do you think that's that's created by something else? Is that like a narrative that's foisted on us, or or I don't know. I just wonder maybe it's already that that resurgence in moralism and uh, is happening already amongst the youth. Yeah, it could be. I mean, things like that I don't see as being really generated by the youth. I think that those things are imposed by uh, the context that people grow up in. But I think that, like, as people sort of as, – as this generation that grows up with, you know, this weird – just with this weird access to, to so much more information about um, – the, you know, color and relative shapes and, uh, you know, uh, uh, pubic hair styling options of vaginas, uh, as they grow up, there's going to be some kind of social change that has to do with, with, you know, with what they grew up like. Sorry, the sentence kind of petered out at the end. Hey, 
That's <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That sorry. That's sorry. Pulled a Fenzel. That's Peter. are a lot of different things, and I don't exactly understand it. That sentence kind of <laughs> shielded out at the end. That's, you know what I'm going to say? That it went on kinda... way too long. I think that's the better. That's, that's, I think that's more accurate. <laughs> it went on too long for its own good. Yeah, exactly. Speaking yeah. of doing a Sheely, Sheely, do you keep up with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I don't. I find it generally a little too awful to watch. <laughs> mm. But if, I don't if, know. You've ever, if you've ever seen it, they have a character that sometimes pops up that they call Green Man. Mm-hmm. I've seen like one character. episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he, he, he does stuff that is very reminiscent of what you used to do in college. He dresses mm-hmm. up in like a, a spandex suit and he like runs out and does crazy shit. Uh, <laughs> It's funny shit. It's, it's wow, funny, I hope. Yeah, no, you. I hope that like prospective employers are listening to this podcast. Hey, man, that can only give me a boost at this point. The job market hasn't been great, so if they know that actually, not in addition to path-breaking analysis of social institutions, they also get like crazy spandex antics. That could put me over the top. When did path-breaking become you know the the adjective to describe research that's a synonym for good? I think I read it in something. Oh, in a in a letter from the president of Yale. It was like, we want to fund our path-breaking research or something, even in this down economic climate. Well, when, it's when primarily research started happening on trails, mostly. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and then the, and they just really sucked those trails dry. Uh, they were going to call the... it path-marking, but then they realized it's a discount grocery store in New York. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the trademark was taken. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it that just sounds like you're like peeing in the woods, right? Well, I mean, Levin's in a tough spot, and a lot of these university guys are in tough spots because they were brought in to make the universities money, right? And they like kind of di- discarded their responsibilities for being academic leaders and focused on making the universities money, and now they've lost a lot of money. Well, right. So if a Martian were to look at our universities, they would say, "Oh, this is a." You know, this is an organization dedicated to managing an enormous investment portfolio, and they run a little education racket on the side to adjust the liquidity, uh, yeah. you know, of the portfolio. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but you know what they did? All these guys did. Harvard, Yale, I mean, all the big universities uh, had huge endowment growth for years and years and years, so they did make money. Well, it depends on how much of it they lose. Well, but yeah, getting you back to what we were talking about before, Mike, I want to know where you live, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the exact latitude and longitude. We will I deliver to you. What scenes of the Karate Kid happen to your house. And then we will deliver to you the missing 25% of Yale's endowment. Um, and you will do path-breaking things with it relating to American <laughs> apparel, Oscar Wilde, and twats. <laughs> <laughs> this is your destiny, Mike. All right. I think I can hear the sound of this podcast jumping the shark. No, that's the shark. Oh, is actually The shark is actually swimming under this podcast. <laughs> and is about, is about to devour us. So let's get out. Uh, let's get out before uh, he does. It remains only to say that you can call us at 20 eat log zero one. That's two zero three. Two eight five six four zero one. If you want to, you know, uh, have us hear, talk. If you want to hear your name about seven <laughs> times in an hour <laughs> by people that you don't know, and now you're, yeah, exactly. Now you're. And be um, awesome. He was awesome. Thank you very much, Mike, for calling in. We don't. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. We appreciate it, and we yeah. appreciate all of our listeners. Or you can email us at podcast at overthinking it dot com. What would you like us to overthink? Uh, what are your exact coordinates in latitude and longitude? <laughs> Um, you know, what do you think of hipsterism? Write, write in. We'll read it out on the blog. Say your name and where you're writing in from. Uh, thank you very much to Peter Fenzel. Uh, you're welcome. Anytime. Hey, is there a way that people can find you? Is there a way you prefer to be contacted? Yeah, sure. If you get to the top of the hill and you light the, <laughs> the bonfire, um, it'll pass through to Gondor, and then I'll be able to, to track it from there. No, I believe I'm at Fenzel at overthinkingit.com. Yeah, right? that's what you are. F-E-N is the E-L. Yep. Mr. Lee? Sorry, I was on mute there. Thank you. Thank you. 
there was a big truck passing by, and I don't want the trucks on polluting the the pristine audio of this podcast. Well, I you know, actually that truck sound was uh, my podcast coming down down Ninth uh, Avenue, just rattling uh, yeah. all the way. <laughs> the uh, yeah, no, I think I think Ryan and Rachel's uh, lovemaking has been uh, you know has done that. No, actually, sorry. it's just excited okay. fidgeting on my end. Mark, you go. <laughs> That's funny because I can envision you doing it. I can be reached at Lee at overthinkingit.com. And if you email me, I'll send you my exact uh, longitude and latitude coordinates so you can geocache me or something. (laughs) Or you can send a pigeon. (laughs) Or that. (laughs) You can find us uh, on Homing Pigeon. Um, And you're on the Twitters. Oh, yes. uh, Goes to 12. G-O-E-S-T-O-T-W-E-L-V-E. And uh, Ryan, thank you. Thank you. I doubt anyone's going to want to contact me unless they want to be interrupted or led astray. But uh, if you do want those things, Sheely at overthinkingit.com, and you can probably find me on Twitter if you're really motivated to do so. (laughs) Excellent. And Rachel, it's been wonderful having you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> that sounded weird. <laughs> no weirder than when you said twat. <laughs> twat I, am, I am Matthew Rather, Rather, W-R-A-T-H-E-R at overthinkingit.com or mrather on Twitter. Follow Overthinking It on Twitter at overtweeting it, twitter.com slash overtweeting it. And as always, visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com, the site that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. 